0: I've got to look and make sure the sermon comes next, <laughs> and it does. <laughs> uh, you know, I told Dave before he left, I said, you know, it's been about two and a half years or so since I uh, preached here, and I said, I'm not sure I can still do it. So anyway, we'll, we'll see what the Lord will, uh, will uh, do. You can pray for me. It won't hurt my feelings at all. Um, Pastor Dave preaches through books, and that is a wonderful way to do uh, because it gives you the context and leads you in the thought of the author and what the Holy Spirit was doing and all of that. And uh, so you might want to ask the question of, well, how did you choose Psalm 139 to speak on today, and the reason is because I've been memorizing parts of it with my walk in the morning, uh, which I've done for years and years and years, not Psalm 139 every morning for years and years and years. But the reason I mention it is if I could suggest to you, young or old, if I could suggest to you any one discipline which I have found... To give such rewards, it's scripture memory, and you don't have to have thousands of scriptures, but some uh, that you've got up here and in here uh, that you can think of when you when you stand in line, and we have to stand in more lines now with things kind of slowing down a bit. Uh, and here's the 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 fruit of that discipline, and uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, the sermon will re- reflect it. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But you have an opportunity to think about the words and how they're put together and what they may mean, how they may apply to us. And so uh, that's how we came uh, through uh, today to verse uh, to Psalm 139. And if you're not familiar with the Bible and where it, how it works, I, I did look in your pew Bible. It's on page 618 and if you've got a bible but not sure where psalms it's in the middle and of course psalm 3139 is towards uh the end of it uh, of the psalms this and we're not going to touch the whole thing it's it's much too long it's 24 verses we're just going to do several of them and the psalm itself and I'm going to read it in a, in a moment but the psalm itself basically is directed towards an understanding of who the Lord is, who God is and it tells us uh, what he has done or what He's doing, it tells us what he knows uh, and uh, then it uh, gives some response of what does it mean to us or what am I going to do because of that uh, and where and where He is. I'm sorry, those three things. what he's done, where he is and what he knows are the three basic uh, items when it talks Uh, in Psalm 139. Now I got to give one other explanation and I'm going to be reading from the new American standard Bible, uh, 19, I think it's 1961 version. And the reason I'm doing that is not because the ESV is not a wonderful translation or whatever translation you have, but this translation uses the thou and then, and you're going to say, well, I knew you were old pastor, uh, So that fits right in with who you are. Uh, That's not why I'm doing it. The reason I'm doing it is the thee and the thine and the thou is the singular in you. And when you see it, you know you're not talking to many people. You're talking to one. And, of course, we'll see that, and it'll be self-explanatory in the verse or in the passage. But there's another reason is thee and thine and thou are the intimate language of love. In fact, you see it in the European languages, whether it be German or the Romance-based. They have two words. Uh, In French, uh, je vous aime means I love you, all of you. But if you're going to talk to your wife, let me tell you, you don't say je vous aime. You say je t'aime. Tu is the singular form of you. And it's the intimate language of love and intimacy. And we're going to see it uh, in this David psalm as he remarks on, on who God is and his conversation with him. So that's why we're going back to the good old days. So, And let me remind us, uh, this is God's word. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou dost know when I sit down and when I rise up. Thou dost understand my thought from afar. Thou dost scrutinize my path and my lying down and art intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, Thou dost know it all. Thou hast enclosed me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from thy spirit? Where can I flee from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there thy hand will lead me, and thy right hand will lay hold of me. I will say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to thee, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and and light are alike to thee. For thou didst form my inward parts, thou didst weave me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from thee when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Thine eyes have seen my unformed substance, And in thy book they were all written, the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are thy thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. O, that thou wouldst slay the wicked, O God! Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain." Do I not hate those who hate thee, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against thee? I hate them with the utmost hatred, they have become my enemies. Then finally, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. Let's pray. Father, what a psalm. It's just amazing. We pray that you would use it to enlighten us, to help us, to comfort us. Father, to direct us that we might be your people with joy and with confidence. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Now, this isn't going to be a neat sermon in the sense we're going to do what he's done and what he knows a little bit interchangeably. So if you take notes, good luck. We'll see how it goes. First thing, what he's done. And this, uh, you might look with me uh, in verse 13. For thou didst form my inward parts. Thou didst weave me in my mother's womb. Verse 15, I'm skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Certainly in a day when the whole issue of abortion has been returned to the states. If you need any verses in Scripture which would indicate that um, that which is in the womb is a human being, these verses would clearly teach that. And I'll say something about that later. And then what I'd like to focus on is verse 16. Thine eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in thy book they were all written, the days which were ordained for me when as yet, there was not one of them, and in thy book they were all written. The days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Now, he doesn't say what the book is. Um, I would submit to you, and I can't be, I, I can't be dogmatic about this, but I believe he's talking about the book of life. You can find that in Revelation chapter twenty. Uh, towards the the very last verse in that chapter. Uh, And it's mentioned also several times in Revelation. And there are places throughout the scriptures where you'll find uh, God talking about a book in the end of Malachi, a book of remembrance. But at least for the purpose of this sermon, I'm going to assume that it is the book of life. Because David is a believer, and he's certainly talking about what God knows and what God does in the life of a believer, and he says, all the days uh, were ordained for me, yet before there was one of them. Now, how do we understand all the days that were ordained for me? And I'm going to take a minimal, and I'm going to take a maximum approach. The minimal is, okay, John Matthew, I've given you, well, I'm 75, so okay, you're going to have 80 years and two months and two days, and you better get it done. (laughs) Because that's what I'm giving you, and they're ordained, and uh, go have a good time and serve me. And that may be what it's talking about, but I don't believe that is what it's talking about. I believe the maximum approach is when he says, all the days that were ordained for me were written in your book, yet before there was one of them, I think he's saying, Every step, everything that my life has been and will be, God has ordained before I was born. Now let me explore that with you a little bit. Um, and I'm going to give you several verses that would l- lead you to believe that that's not far off. Proverbs 16:9: 16, 16:9. 9. 16, 9. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. The mind of man plans his way. I'm going to go to college, or I'm going to do this, but it's the Lord who directs my steps. Proverbs 20, 24, man's steps are ordained by the Lord. How then can man understand his way? That seems to very clearly speak to that. It's the Lord who's ordained my steps. You know, how you get from Memphis to Fort Payne, I don't know. But here we are. And ha- happily so, but here we are. Proverbs nineteen twenty one: many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. And I'll give you one more. And this is Paul on Mars Hill. Now, he's speaking to unconverted people here. And he's talking about the Lord who determines our habitations and the boundaries of our lives. And then he says, in him, meaning in Christ, in the Lord, we live and move and have our being. Pretty strong words. So, here's what you're going to say to me. And I'm going to interrupt you before you say it to me. You're going to say, well, okay, that makes me a robot. If everything has been preordained, then I'm just a robot, and that would be uh, a um, that would be okay, reasonable to say. Okay, we're just we're like a little train on a track, and God has directed me, and that's what I'm going to do. That may be what you think, but that's not the way life works, is it? We freely make our choices. Nobody forced me to make good, strong black coffee this morning and eat another of my wonderful wife's banana breads with fruit. You didn't make me do that. God didn't make me do that, but I did it and I enjoyed it. So, I mean, I freely chose to do that. And I'm going to submit to you that it is a deep mystery, and I don't understand it, how God ordains all things and yet we freely do it. Now, um, there used to be a lady, her name was uh, Mirtha Shell, who came to the jail on Thursday nights with us. And a lot of times we'd have to wait, and she would sing the Hornet song. Have you ever heard the Hornet song? Anybody here? It must not be a Presbyterian song, but it is. It um, is. I'm going to read it in, in its entirety, but it's the second part, which I think is just so wonderful. When Moses was sent to lead Israel out into Canaan's rich fruit-bearing land, they rebelled against the Spirit and worshipped a calf and refused to obey God's command. Now, he did not compel them to go to that land, which, was, which with wine, milk, and honey did flow, But he fed them on manna for 40 long years till he got them all ready to go. Now, here's the part. I used to tell, I said, Murphy, you're a Presbyterian. You don't know it. When the Canaanites hardened their hearts against God and refused to obey God's command, he did not compel them to go against their will. He just made them willing to go. Now, he sent along hornets to bring them to time to help his own spirit to win, his own people to win. Now, if a nest of live hornets were brought to this room and the creatures allowed to go free, you would not need urging to make yourself scarce. You'd want to get out. Don't you see? They would not lay hold and by force of their strength throw you out through the window. Oh, no. They would not compel you to go against your will but I'll bet you'd be willing to go. (laughs) I can see y'all didn't understand that. It was too deep. (laughs) God has his ways, and God... Well, let me give you one other example. Uh, When I became a Christian, I was 28 in Memphis, Tennessee. I became a member of Second Presbyterian Church. We had a Uh, a singles group of about 150 of us, and uh, wonderful people. In fact, I'm still friends with many of them today. Uh, And frankly, we had a lot of very lovely young women, very attractive, very smart, smarter than me, wonderful. And I think I dated them all. (laughs) And you could say, well, we can see why. They didn't want to have it. That, that's not true. We, I had many good relationships. <laughs> but I remember when I left to go overseas in 1981, there was one girl I was dating who's now married to my best friend. And and I just didn't love her. And so I went overseas, was on a ship for seven years, sailing around the world. And I didn't think I'd ever get married until one early morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, in the old port of Montreal, I go downstairs, I'm kind of an early riser, and I go downstairs and there's a girl there alone, nobody else there, and she turns around and says to me, I need a rag, the coffee pot's overflowing. She had put water in it, didn't need to have water in it. And I knew she was gonna be my wife right then and there. She did not. (laughs) I did. And we got married, and we've been happily married ever since. I'm a blessed man, but it wasn't arranged by me, let me tell you, but I'm happy that the Lord was at work. So we are not robots. We do what the Lord moves in us to do, and it's not that I'm in jail, and we're going to talk about at the end freedom in his providence, but I'll move on. The second objection is one that, and I don't want to have The second objection is a very difficult one, and that is, what if your life has been filled with sorrow and pain and things that may be unthinkable? And that becomes difficult, because if you believe that the Lord uh, oversaw, ordained things that are hurtful, um, that, that isn't easy, and I don't want to make light of that, but... If you back God out of the difficulties and the evil things in life, then you have a part-time God. And I don't believe He is. There's a book, which I'll be glad to loan to you, um, uh, that's uh, called The Hidden Smile of God by John Piper. And it's the fruit of affliction in the lives of John Bunyan, William Cooper, and David Brainerd. And these are examples of people who suffered greatly uh, in different ways and yet made powerful contributions uh, to the kingdom of God. Now, just because we've suffered in life and had things happen to us, uh, it does not mean that we're going to be uh, David Brainerds, who died of tuberculosis uh, when he was 28 working among the in, in, indians in new england uh, engaged to jonathan edwards' daughter uh and kicked out of yale because of his conservatism uh, and yet he min, and he ministered amongst the indians in, in just a very difficult ministry a very dry time uh, anyway I'll be glad to to uh, uh, to loan it to you, but I'd like to read this. John Bunyan, William Cooper, and David Brainerd labored and suffered, and it was by this very affliction that they bore fruit for the nourishing of radical Christian living, God-centered worship, and Christ-exalting world missions. That's John Piper. How they suffered, how they endured, and how it bore fruit is the story that I pray will inspire in you That same radical Christian life, God-centered, God-centered worship in Christ-exalting mission. Um, One last piece I'll put in that puzzle, if you will, is from Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. You know, Paul was in prison repeatedly. He never said that he was a prisoner of the Romans, Ever. And yet it was in Roman prisons that he was incarcerated. He always said, I'm a prisoner of what? Of Christ. Never did he say, it's the Romans who did it to me. No, it's Christ who has put me here. Now, I want you to know, he writes, brothers, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. So, I don't make light of people who have suffered greatly in life. And yet I believe that God has ordained those things as well. And not for our undoing, but for our blessing. I, write, I wrote, it, it is a deep mystery, but we can find comfort and freedom to live confident that he who loves us cares for me, for us, and has ordered my life. Okay, let's move on to what he knows. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. And when I began to think about that, if God is my judge or your judge, that is terrifying. And it's it's a past tense. He has searched me and known me. In other words, He has searched me and known me definitively, and He doesn't have to keep searching me because He knows it all. And if He's not for me, That is an awful thought. But if he's a father and these are the words of intimacy and love, then the fact that somebody knows me like that, loves me like that, becomes a tremendous blessing. It's a completed action throughout my lifetime. And then verses 2 through 4 develop the extent of his knowing. Uh, Verse 2, he knows my goings, my comings, my sitting down. Every movement that I make, he knows it. And then it says, he understands my thought from afar. And what came to mind as I thought about that and contemplated it, it doesn't say he simply knows my thought, but he understands my thought. Now think about this for a minute. Is all of us have suffered things in life, and some of us, maybe all of us, have suppressed them. May, maybe our, our father was cruel to us, or maybe we were abused, or, uh, or, or maybe uh, not only did that happen, but we have never forgiven that person ever, and we have suppressed it to the extent that we no longer know it's there, and yet we'll see in our own behavior sometimes outbursts which we can't explain. We don't know why we get so mad or, or, or why it troubles us so much. But the Lord does. He understands my thoughts and what is beneath them and behind them and why they are. And when you consider the words of intimacy and love and knowledge that he knows. And if he's ordained all those days for me and he's making me like Christ... He's going to work in those, and he's going to show me, and he's going to help me to become the man or woman or boy and girl that he wants me to be. And so there is great encouragement in the fact that he understands my thought, the painful experiences, everything that's going on in my life. He's ordained, he understands, and he's working for my good. I don't understand it all, but I believe that's what Scripture teaches us. Verse 3, intimately acquainted with all my ways. Do you think that he can help us? Intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, verse 4, Behold, O Lord, thou dost know it all. Let me ask you, particularly husbands, and those who will be husbands one day. Do you wish that the Lord would tell you some of the stupid, hurtful things that you're gonna say before you say them so you don't say them? Well, I do. (laughs) Lord, why don't you let me know a few of these things that I should. You know, it says in Proverbs, (laughs) in many words, sin is unavoidable. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, thou dost know it all. Let me go back to what the Lord has done in verse five. "Thou hast enclosed me behind and before, and laid thou hand and laid thou hand upon me." Thou hast enclosed me behind and before, and thou hast laid thy hand upon me. And I'd like to make two applications of that. First, I believe that is a picture of salvation. I believe that's the way the Lord uh, saves us. It's a description of of faith. And being born again. And again. We, 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 we believe in Christ. We trust in Christ. Through different. Uh, if, if we took a. a uh, if we ask everyone. To give their testimony here. Today. They would be very different. God does it in different ways. But I believe this is the picture. And I, I think it's so real to me. Because I know in my life. A Sunday school teacher invited me to a Bible study. I told him, what do I need for a Bible study? I know about Moses and Daniel. That's all I knew. And um, yet some people around me, my sister had been saved, a friend from university had been saved. I didn't know much about it, but I knew something had happened in their life. He invited me to a Bible study, men's Bible study fellowship in Memphis, and I went once, and You couldn't talk unless you had done the questions, so I like to talk. Took the questions, went home. He invited me back the next week. Sitting in a pew, much like this, Second Presbyterian in the chapel. Nobody else there yet, because he got there early, because he was a discussion leader. God came in the room, and he said, you are mine. I understood the Bible was God's word. I understood I was a sinner and I understood Christ had died for me. I had never understood that before. He had enclosed me behind him before and laid his hand upon me and said, You are mine. Now let's go. (laughs) Went home that night. I asked him to come into my life, and he did. I went to bed with a peace I've never had since. It was profound. And I woke up the next morning. I loved my parents with a new love. And I had wonderful parents. And I wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. (laughs) Whether they wanted to hear it or not was not important. (laughs) I've gotten a little bit more subtle. Probably too subtle. I don't do it enough anymore. He laid his hand upon me. And and I won't spend much time here. But um, when you um, look at hand in particularly the old testament he said he, he laid his hand upon me now he doesn't say his right hand but let me read two verses to you to tell you what i think that hand that he has laid upon us is psalm ninety-eight one, O oh, 10 sing to the lord a new song for he has done wonderful things his right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory for him it is the person of christ it is his son Psalm 118.16, the right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord has done valiantly. And there will be one day when every knee and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Two other things, and then we'll apply and we'll be done. Not only does he draw us to faith, but he keeps us in the faith. We studied sanctification in Sunday school. And we, co- we cooperate in, in, it is cooper, work with. We do. We do things. God's not going to read your Bible for you. He's not going to pray for you. You've got to get up. You've got to do those things. You've got to come worship with God's people. But let me tell you, <laughs> if you're counting on your strength and your ability to get you to the end, it's not going to work. It's the power of God through us, with us, in us, and glorious it is. But there's one other thing about behind and before and His hand upon us is, do you know, it says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are His workmanship, meaning God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So. Your life and my life, God has already prepared good works. We can't claim credit for them. We can't boast about them. But we can sure enjoy them and do the works that he has for us. Because he's enclosed us behind and before and he's laid his hand upon us. Oh, glory. It is glorious. Anyway, what he has done. Okay, let's apply some of these things and then we'll be done. Uh, and I'd like to look at verse 6 because if, if nothing else, and I, I shouldn't minimize this because this is maximum. But he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it is too high, I cannot attain to it, or I cannot attain it. What does it lead us to, this understanding? It leads us to what? It leads us to worship. I mean, this is amazing. The God who holds all things together who created all things, who sustains all things, knows you and loves you and has gone to the trouble to ordain your life in a way that brings glory to him, good to you, and builds the kingdom of God. It is glorious. It is glorious. And young people, young people, let me just say, those of us that have lived most of our lives on this earth, but gosh, Put your hands in the hands of the Lord and he will give you an adventure. I'm not going to say it's always going to be easy. But he will give an adventure to your life that is unbelievably rich and deep and wondrous and results in praise to the God who gave his son. I said the freedom of providence. Well, okay, I got three freedoms for you. The freedom from the past. I don't care what you've done or haven't done in your life. You know, we talked about abortion. I'm sure there's some people in this room who've had abortion, maybe more than one. Well, let me tell you, in Christ, you're forgiven, cleansed. It is no more. Uh, there's a... a uh, video, it's about nine minutes long on YouTube uh, with uh, David, who's, who is the pastor in Birmingham now? He's in Bethesda, David Platt. D- D- David Platt, and he tells this story. There was a, and I'm going to condense it. There was a, a very wealthy Englishman, he was going to France to take a holiday, needed a car. He wanted to buy a car that was dependable. He bought a Rolls-Royce uh, because it never breaks down. Never breaks down. So he bought the car, took the, 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 I guess, the tunnel to France. Normandy was driving, the car broke down. Called up Rolls-Royce and said, my Rolls-Royce Silver Cloud is broken down. She said, Mr. Smith, don't worry. We'll send you a mechanic. And we'll get it fixed. So a mechanic got in a plane, flew over to Normandy, fixed it, got back on the plane and flew home. And he enjoyed the rest of his holiday. Months went by. And he never got a bill. So he was a man of means. He could pay his bill. So he called and said, this is Mr. Smith. I'd like to pay my bill. And she said, Mr. Smith, what bill? She said, you flew over a mechanic, and he repaired my car and did a wonderful job, and I just wanted to settle up. The bill, I haven't received it. And she said, well, wait just a moment. So there was silence on the line for, you know, I don't know, a minute or so, and she came back and said, Mr. Smith, <laughs> we have no record of your car ever breaking down. Mr. Smith. And so it is with Christ. Whatever we've done in the past, it is gone. It is finished. There may be consequences. If you jumped off a thing and broke your leg, you're probably not going to run in the Olympics. But let me tell you, it is forgiven forever and cleansed. You're free. Set free. So freedom from the past. Freedom in the present freedom in the present because let me tell you if he's ordained it let me tell you we're here right now because God has ordained it maybe there are difficulties do you know I I'm one of the nicest people I know but let me tell you sometimes I can stir up trouble I've even had a little trouble here when I was pastor <laughs> all of my own doing for sure but you know that this is where he has you. And he wants you to learn. And he wants you to submit to him. And maybe submit to others. And so we are free. We, we don't have to second guess. We are free in Christ. Freedom in his providence. I'm right here. And of course the last one obvious. Freedom in the future. I think... Jace quoted it in Sunday school. It's Philippians 1.6. Paul writes, For I uh, am confident that he who began a good work in you will continue it and see it through until the day of Christ. Freedom from the past. Freedom right now in the present, where I am, what he's doing, what he wants me to do. And, of course, freedom in the future. Well, beloved, it is a great adventure. We're not robots. There may be sorrow and there may be great loss, but he is good and his ways for us are good. And he will never fail. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you We thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true. And Lord, we pray that you would use it not only for your glory, for building us up, not building us up to be prideful, but, Father, for building us up to be humble, to be obedient, and to be joyful. And that all the days that were ordained for me were written in your book yet before there was one of them. And this we pray in Christ's name, amen.